Pastor Ray Bentley points out the triumphal entry was linked to the selection of a sacrificial lamb. And I believe that God was, as it were, screaming from heaven itself, choose my lamb, choose my son. And you know that after Palm Sunday, Lamb Selection Day, for the next four days, Jesus spent every waking moment in the temple being tested and inspected by the religious leaders. Spread the news of his people coming down before the king. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return the whole gospel to the whole world. Do you like hearing stories behind the stories? Do you like hearing behind the scenes information? We have plenty in store today as we look at the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but learn of some fascinating facts and corollaries we may have never considered. You want to take some notes today? Here's Pastor Ray. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. I want you to look with me in verses 28 and 29 as we start looking at the triumphal entry of Jesus. And perhaps you can make some parallels to your own life and God's calling upon you as well. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Verse 29, it says, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. By the way, the idea is that Jesus sat on a, a young uh, colt of, of a donkey, which means that it should be wild the first time anybody gets near it. And the fact that it did not jump, wasn't nervous, and it just rode supernaturally it showed who Jesus was and that by the spirit and the glory of the Lord within him, the animal was at rest and peace. And so going on, verse 31, and if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus shall you say to him, because the Lord has need of it. As I mentioned, that is the kind of the password that was given. Verse 32, and so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt. This was a special colt. <laughs> this was a messianic little donkey with a great destiny. And they said, the Lord has need of him. What an incredible thing that the Lord does this. And then they brought him to Jesus. And then they threw their clothes upon the colt and they set Jesus on. And as he went, many spread their clothes along the road. Now, as I mentioned before, Jesus had held his identity as the Messiah quiet. He, in fact, had warned his disciples, don't tell anyone who I am. Why? Because the hour had not yet come. Well, guess what Palm Sunday was? The hour, the arrival, the focal point of everything. He goes public. He makes a demonstration. The hour has come. Jesus' request for the donkey on this occasion was nothing less than a declaration of his Messiahship. So in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. 
He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Do you know that Zechariah 9.9, even in Jewish rabbinic literature, that Zechariah passage is universally interpreted as messianic. That's talking about the Messiah. All the Jews knew and would say when the Messiah comes, he will come lowly, humbly, bringing salvation, riding on a donkey. The son of David was to come riding on a donkey. The Messiah was to come riding on a donkey. He would bring salvation. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but the Jews said that when Moses had come to Egypt, having been out in the wilderness, declaring salvation, he came to Egypt riding on a donkey. And I don't know if you had noticed this, but in the great story of Abraham, who went up on the mountain, Moriah, that God showed him, where God said, sacrifice to me your son, your only begotten son, Isaac, as a test. Do you know that in the first uh, five verses of Genesis chapter 22, it talks about Abraham and Isaac and a donkey. And the rabbis said that this was a subtle reference to the messianic age, that Abraham himself going to Mount Moriah, willing to lay down and sacrifice his son. And the donkey that went with them was a picture of the future when the Messiah himself would come. Now, let me share with you this. In ancient times, even in ancient Israel, when a king would ride upon a horse, it was a sign and symbol of war. When you were reigning as a king or sovereign in peacetime, you would ride upon a donkey. Now, interestingly, we come to the book of Revelation, we have the picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and what is Jesus riding when he comes from heaven? He's riding a horse. What does that tell you is going on? There's war. Here is the picture of, of the second coming, Jesus declaring war upon the Antichrist and his armies. But here in Luke chapter 19, Jesus came proclaiming peace. It was one last appeal. And as it were, Jesus' hands are outstretched, saying, even now, I want to be your king to bring you salvation. Will you not have me as your king? And the king of peace at that, offering salvation and peace. Oh, we know what a tragic week this would turn out to be. Look with me in verses 35 through 40. It says, and then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent or the bottom of the Mount of Olives, so he's ridden all the way down to the Kidron Valley, soon to ascend the other side, Mount Zion, up and through the Eastern Gate, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. I mean, pandemonium. They say that there were uh, several million people that might have gathered for this Passover, this Feast of Unleavened Bread, several thousand years ago. It must have been deafening the roar of the crowd for all the mighty works they had seen three years of the supernatural miracles, things that the world had never seen through any human being and even since that time. And here's what they were crying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Oh, I love the power of that. I wish that everybody would have been quiet just for a moment. I would have loved to hear the stones themselves cry out and make noise. Nature acknowledges Jesus. The little donkey acknowledged Jesus. The wind and the waves obeyed Jesus. The demonic world obeyed Jesus. Everybody seemed to know who he was, except for man and those who were stubborn and those who were rebellious. Now here's one thing that I want you to also notice about this day. This day called Palm Sunday. According to, uh, when we put the Gospels together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in particular the Gospel of John, we put the, the Feast of Israel together along with the biblical calendar that we know that is there in the Old Testament and discover that the day we know what day it was, Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. It was the 10th day of Nisan. The 10th day of Nisan. And the day that Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem is extremely significant because it was on the 10th of Nisan that the entire nation of Israel had to select their lambs to be sacrificed on the coming Passover. In other words, we call it Palm Sunday because they waved their palms. But it was really another name for it, you could call it is Lamb Selection Day. And there had to be one lamb for at least every 10 Jews in the entire world that had to at that time be sacrificed. In fact, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that there were approximately, and this is a mind-boggling, staggering sum, he believes that at those particular years, there were upwards of a quarter of a million lambs were sacrificed for Passover. Now, I want you to think of one lamb and being sacrificed, how much blood is in one lamb? Imagine the blood of a hundred lambs. Imagine the blood of a thousand lambs. 200,000 lambs. 250,000 lambs. There was a little channel that was cut and literally from the temple and going out of its side was in these channels a river of blood that would flow on that one day a year on Passover. There was so much blood and the blood became so thick that it wouldn't move and so there were priests who constantly and one right after the other would come going in a kind of a rotation, each one coming and pouring water to keep the blood flowing as it went out the side of the temple. So there was literally, if you can imagine this, the blood of a quarter of a million lambs being washed by a river of water. In other words, blood and water literally flowing from the side of the temple. Does that bring any other pictures to you of what happened when the Roman soldier took a spear and thrust it up underneath the ribs of Jesus Christ the Messiah and what does it say came out of the side of Jesus Christ? Blood and water. It was a simultaneous picture of what was happening on that day. Now that was happening on Passover but today we're days earlier than that. We're on the 10th of Nisan. It's Lamb Selection Day. And, and what, what does it mean Lamb Selection? It means that not every lamb was selected. Which lambs were selected? Only the perfect lambs. 
and every family, because this is the one day a year, you know, either you're going to be forgiven for your sins or not. You better make sure that for our family and for our 10 people, I want the lamb that doesn't have one spot and not one blemish. I want to make sure that my sins for the last year are washed away and, and forgotten by God. Amen. Can you imagine? So on that day, they would look and they would inspect and then they would pick the purest lamb without any spot or blemish on that day. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. I thank God for Pastor Ray and his family and the ministry of Maranatha. A big thank you to the Bentley family for sharing Pastor Ray with us for these many years. Although we're sad that he's gone, we know we'll see him again. And we pray for the Bentley family that they would be comforted by the unfathomable peace that can come only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, interestingly, after Lamb Selection Day, there were four days after that that the lamb then had to be inspected. So you pick your lamb. I think this is the best, purest uh, looking lamb. It has no spots or blemishes. But just in case, you, you know, you're on the 10th of Nisan, Passover on the 15th, right? So after Lamb Selection Day, you've got four more days. They would put that little lamb in a special pen and watch it to make sure that if the next day or two days, all of a sudden something you hadn't seen, a blemish comes out or some infection or rash, woohoo, we found a, this one's no good. We got to get another one, right? So they were literally every day, because it's hard for us to fathom, you want to make sure your sins are forgiven. You want a unblemished, perfect, spotless lamb. They were inspecting that lamb every single day to make sure. And by the fourth day, when the sun began to set, tomorrow's Passover. And finally, after the fourth day of inspection, on the eve of the 15th of Nisan, uh, which is Passover, they go, Whew. it has no spots, no blemishes. Tomorrow, my sins for the year are going to be washed and cleansed and forgiven and forgotten by God. When Jesus sat upon that little donkey, it was as if God was saying, all these sacrifices, what does it say in the New Testament? Were a type and a shadow of the greater things to come. It was almost as if God was saying, look guys, all those years of Passovers and all those lambs that have been slain, the blood of bulls, and lambs and goats cannot take away the sins of man, but the Lamb of God. God, I believe, the Father was speaking from heaven. It's the same mountain, Mount Moriah, that Abraham was there ready to give his son. Only this time it's God the Father, and it's his only begotten son, Jesus, the greater Isaac. And I believe that God was, as it were, screaming from heaven itself, choose my lamb, choose my son. Choose this one, select him, pick him, and then watch him and inspect him. And do you know that after Palm Sunday, Lamb Selection Day, 
For the next four days, Jesus spent every waking moment in the temple being tested, challenged, and inspected by the religious leaders to trap him, uh, to get him to say something, to find some fault with him, to get him to, to do something against the law. They tested him to find a blemish in him. And in the end of the four days, all of them said, even Pilate said, I've inspected him, I've grilled him, I've beaten him. I find no fault in this man. Jesus passed the test of Rome. He passed the test of the religious leaders. And therefore on Palm Sunday, he could be the Passover lamb that takes away the sins of the world. I leave you with this, uh, verse 38. They quote, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That comes from Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is one of the Psalms known as the Hallel Psalms, H-A-L-L-E-L. And the Hallel Psalms are Psalms 113 through 118. These were the Psalms that all the Jews were singing that entire week. So that means on Palm Sunday, they were singing Psalm 118. Now, knowing what you know about Jesus and the story of the gospel and Passion Week and his death, burial, and resurrection and how he would be rejected by the religious leaders. These words that we're gonna read now were put to melodies and music and singing. Look first at Psalm 118 verses 22 through 24. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You guys remember the song? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, right? You know what day it's talking about? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And why is that significant? It was Lamb Selection Day. And so why is the prophet talking about this is the day the Lord has made? Because it's the first day in Jesus' life that he publicly by sitting on a donkey staged, saying, you bet, I am king of kings and lord of lords. I come to you humbly, lowly, riding upon a donkey, offering you peace and salvation. This day, it was a prophetic day, not just in the physical, not just in the natural, but in the heavens of heavens, throughout the angelic realm, and even the demonic realm knew what that day was all about. So when the religious leaders came up and said, hey, tell these guys to pipe down, tell them to be quiet and quit calling you the Messiah, Jesus stops sternly. And I don't think he was kidding when he said, if every one of these here today were to stop speaking, my father would make the rocks acknowledge me. Why? Because this is the day the Lord has made. Did you know that there is a story about the days of Solomon when they made the temple? It's a legend. I can't prove to you that it's true, but it's a legend that has been passed down. And legends often find themselves with a kernel of truth that began, but I'll share with you the legend. You won't find it in your Bible, but it's in the historical records. In the days that they were building the great temple that David had prepared all the materials, gave it to his son, and Solomon built it, they were looking for the 
at the very end, the chief cornerstone that you kind of, it's like a memorial stone that you put into the corner and, and you've got the names etched there and, and it's kind of the, the, the coup de gras, it's the finished masterpiece. And you, you wait until that time that you put it there. And so they said, uh, you know, and you had the builders that were down below quarrying the limestone and then the workers that are up on top. And it took years, years and years, decades actually to build the temple. So they get to the end and they go, okay, guys, hey, tell the foreman down there below that's been quarrying, okay, we're ready for the final cornerstone so we can celebrate as a nation the temple is done. Well, the foreman down below goes, what do you mean the cornerstone? You've got to be kidding. We sent the cornerstone up to you about five decades ago. It was one of the first stones that we sent to you. So they start looking around and going, uh-oh, you sent that up? Do you know where it is? No, do you know where it is? And they began this mad search. What happened? And finally somebody goes, oh yeah. He goes, you know, I don't know if that was it. He goes, but right in the beginning of this whole thing, we started building the temple. They sent some stone up here that didn't fit anywhere. And so they thought they made a mistake. We took it decades ago and threw it over the top of the mountain. And so all of a sudden the guy goes, are you kidding me? That was the cornerstone. And there was a mad search among all the workers, tens of thousands of them looking around. And through the digging, they found a stone, the corner of which was stuck in the earth, weeds growing over it. And they dug out and they found it and that was it. It had the etchings, it was the cornerstone. They rejoiced when they found it and they made big ceremony as they brought the cornerstone back up the mountain, put it in and the whole nation celebrated. So the legend was that the cornerstone which had been rejected was found to be the cornerstone of the whole building. Much like Jesus Christ who comes now to be laid in his place of honor as the king, lowly, riding upon a donkey, offering peace and salvation to the world and they reject him. But 2,000 years later, the Bible says that they will find him and he will reveal himself to them. They shall look upon him whom they pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for his only begotten son. That's a, that's a story for another time. But lastly, look at Psalm 118 verses 25 through 27. This is what they were singing on that day, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what every Jew should have been saying on that day. And, and the people did, but the leadership did not. Jesus, remember he said, I will not come unto you again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why did Jesus say that? Because that's what Psalm 118 prophesies and that's what they sing every Passover. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Prophetically sung by the people, foreshadowing his rejection, his crucifixion. And yet the people had proclaimed Jesus is the Messiah. So at this moment, the secret is out. The confrontation has come. And as we continue, we know where it leads to Calvary, all God's glorious plan for your salvation and for mine, for your forgiveness and mine. Amen. Great insights today from Pastor Ray Bentley as we consider the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Triumphal Entry. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com.
That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us but we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.